0: Today on the Almond Journey podcast.
1: This is truly a long-term investment. At 63 years old, I'm not planning to replant this thing again. I want to see what I can do to make this orchard outlive me.
0: We're talking about designing an orchard that will last decades with Turlock grower, Cal Mast. Welcome to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their communities and advance the almond industry. Today's episode takes us just outside of Turlock, California, to the Orchard of Cal Mast. Cal comes from a dairy background and still considers dairy to be his day job, but also acquired 45 acres of almonds a couple of years ago. He actually remembers when those trees were planted back in 1997, because his father-in-law owned the property before him. Cal knew when he bought the orchard that it would soon be time to plant new trees. So, he spent many hours over the past two years researching the considerations for designing an almond orchard. In today's episode, we're going to hear what changes he's making in the design of that orchard, the choices he's made in terms of varieties and rootstocks and other factors, and where he's going to find information to make such important almond orchard decisions. He sees this venture into almonds as sort of a way to diversify from the dairy business. And it's also a project for him that he could focus on as his son and daughter in law take over daily operations of the dairy that brought him out to California from Michigan over 40 years ago.
1: Well, I grew up on a dairy in Michigan, actually, and I moved here to California in 1979 in order to marry the boss's daughter. I met my wife, Lori, back in Michigan, and uh, we moved out here specifically to to work on the the dairy that my father-in-law owned eventually in about 1995 my father-in-law purchased his first almonds and while i was still working for him i continued to work for him i focused on the dairy aspect while he uh, tried to get out of the way for me and take on another venture uh, which was almonds then. We now live in my in-laws original house and in 1997 they had planted about 40-45 acres of almonds around it and we lived next door to it all that time. We had a a house on the property as well but we never got involved in the almond side of it. Uh, We stayed focused on the dairy and my brother and sister-in-law moving into this place in 2003 and then selling it to us two years ago. That's how we got into the almond industry. The trees at that time were, they had seen better days. We continued that orchard for two years. And last fall after harvest, we took it out and are now going through the, the steps to, to get it replanted again this December January.
0: Being his first almond orchard, and obviously his first time designing one, Cal considers himself to be a student. He has enthusiastically spoken with his neighbors, devoured materials from extension and other groups, attended meetings, and reached out to various industry leaders for advice. He said this investment in the almond orchard is for a much longer time horizon than he's used to in dairy production, so he really wants to get it right.
1: Well, in the dairy industry, I always consider that a long term project you know something that you know as far as the animals are concerned we breed our own cattle and i saw a 3 year turnaround as a long term type investment from the day you breed the animal she has her calf 9 months later and approximately 2 years after that She's ready to to come into the barn, you know, to become a productive member of the dairy. She, in turn, has her calf, and I saw three years as a long-term type thing and the plans that are necessary for it. When you start looking at a 25-year investment, getting used to that thought and the steps that are necessary, you know, we saw some things in the orchard that we had here uh, it was pretty easy to see some of the steps that were skipped 25 years ago that didn't allow trees to to be productive.
0: Yeah. And could you talk about some of those steps, the learning between the, the first planting and then this recent uh, replant?
1: Well, the parcel that became the orchard had been in pasture. It had been an irrigated pasture at the time. When it was taken out of pasture, there were some low-lying areas that they were green, they grew grass, but when it came time to, you know, diss that all up and put trees in it, you know, it was a flood-irrigated pasture, and I had seen on some of the previous Pieces that we had taken out of pasture in order to plant corn and our winter forage in, that those low lying areas, you know, the crop drowned out. I expressed that concern to my father in law. I said, Do we not need to do some leveling in order to alleviate those low areas? And his response at that time was, I don't think we need to be concerned about that because we're going to be using drip irrigation instead of flood. And that was as far as it went i shrugged my shoulders and said okay that i guess that makes sense but for irrigating yes that was true but uh, the the rains in the winter time still kept those low areas and that was a continual struggle you know as to how to make trees grow in those low spots and once you planted the whole orchard there wasn't a good way to either fill those in or create, you know, adequate drainage for it. So having access to Google Maps, things like that, I could see, you know, I knew where they were. Once we took over the orchard ourselves, I knew where those bad spots were just because there were no trees there anymore. But it was real obvious and easy to utilize the the maps and overlay that onto a new map here. And draw out those areas that needed to be, once you took the trees off, well then you really needed to have that done first to identify where those spots were so that you could go out and fix them. And that was a, a huge part, just getting that established, you know, where are the areas that we're gonna struggle with if we don't do something about it, and what can be done, you know, to, to alleviate that.
0: And talk about what steps you were able to take once you knew, okay, this area needs to be addressed before we plant or as we plant. Was it just about leveling or were there other things you were able to do?
1: To this point, it's been primarily leveling. We cleared off the trees, we scraped the ground, you know, cleaned it all up and uh, brought in the, the deep ripper. We had done some leveling prior to that. I was able to you know to help show where those drainage areas were prior to that we had determined that the old orchard had the rows going east and west and that was a logical way because of the way the the old pasture had irrigated but actually looking at the contour of the ground running the rows north and south you know made just as much if not more sense and there's advantages to be had as far as sun passing over the orchard or so i'm told but that was something through a couple of the the extension classes that i'd heard you know if you have the opportunity to plant it north and south you do that so it helped to change you know how some of those areas were going to drain
0: sure yeah how did you go about deciding on, you know, varieties and rootstocks and, and that sort of thing? Like you said, this is a major, you know, commitment, 25-plus-year commitment. How did you go about sort of making those decisions?
1: Being that the house is right, the house that we live in is essentially downwind, right in the center of the orchard. The previous orchard had been in, was Butte Padre, so, you know, it was essentially one harvest. Uh, would there be have been advantages to harvesting them separate? Possibly, you know, just because of the timing that they were when they were ready. But it was done one time. You know, the less trips we have to make through the orchard, uh, you know, let's do what we can to to continue that. You know, let's not put out three varieties and have to keep going through these things. And then when you get the the bill for you know the bees that can take your breath away you say oh my goodness you know what can i do about that well the varieties that were out there a couple years ago when we started looking at this you know independence comes to the to the top i mean everybody was planting independence that was going to be the the magic tree that could do everything and i i think they're an awesome tree but uh, some of the people i I work with and who had helped me you know talked about some of their early frustrations in in getting them off the tree when they got actually brought their crop in it was like wow you know they they turned out great but there were frustrations in in the actual harvest so continuing in that you know the next variety out there and and there could be plenty more but one that you know is sold locally are the shastas and there's plenty of people that would say oh you don't want to go into something that new and part of me is uh, you're probably right but it does check some of the boxes that we're looking for It, it doesn't mean no bees but it does mean less bees they harvest easy or to this point everyone who I've talked to said you know they come off the tree well and virtually everyone that I've, that I've talked to that has them in is continuing to put more in. And I've not heard a, a person yet that said, oh, those crazy things, I would never plant another one of them. For the people I've talked to, and that's a, a smaller sample, but they're going to continue to put more in. So that's how we, we came to that. And I hope that You know, five to 10 years from now, I'm happy with that decision. I see some issues as far as the training of the young tree, but I'm kind of excited about, you know, the
0: possibilities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just give it a little extra TLC early on for for years of what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And Another thing I knew they had attempted on our previous orchard was to change rootstocks, uh, you know, in some of those low areas. So in identifying, you know, the areas that were problems before, I still intend to change some rootstock in those areas that I know, even though we've, we've attempted to correct the, the drainage issues, it's not gonna be an exact, you know, this one versus that one, but there's some areas that that I've already talked to our field man about putting in some, some different rootstock for those specific areas. And of 45 acres, you know, there's probably oh, two to three acres that I think, well, I know I've identified as where I'd like to do something else. And rather than wait a year and find out, oh, yeah, that didn't work. You know, the the tree died in that area. Let's try and get ahead of that and see if we can keep everybody going.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, coming from the dairy industry, which, you know, dairying has got to be probably the most management intensive agriculture out there, you know, milking cows three times a day you probably saw a lot of automation come to that industry. So maybe talk about your view of automation and how it might be applied in almonds.
1: Yeah. I mean, on the, on the dairy side, we're giving thought to milking cows with robots. 25 years ago, that was a, you know, just a foreign concept. You said that could never be done. And now it's, it's being done on a dairy that I would consider one of my next door neighbors. And we have the plans drawn as to where, where and how we would incorporate robots. At this point, you know, there's a bit of sticker shock as far as, you know, the cost of that, but with the direction that labor is going, you know, that may be something that happens sooner rather than later. As far as almonds are concerned, I only had two harvest myself, and, you know, I did the did the majority of the the mowing and you know just the the weed spraying i hired out everything else but there's new technologies coming out there and trying to get an orchard spaced right and once the trees are here to get them trained you know get them developed so that you know some of these new technologies can be used Keep trying to ask everyone questions, you know, that's involved in this. What's going to be necessary for the future? Not for what's necessary to do what's always been done, but what can be done, you know, what's out there as far as new harvest, you know, type things. And the person I work with the closest has seen more of it. He's got branches in other areas and, and he's seen some of the, the harvest equipment that, The shakers, you know, that that don't put them on the ground. And so, you know, if you're going to utilize something like that, the tree needs to start a little higher. You need to leave yourself a little more room on the ends. And sure, we could plant it right up to the end, you know, the way it's done conventionally and and cut that tree out if necessary. But those are the kind of things along with, with irrigation. I mean, I had... A couple of guys from the Almond Board come out and just ask them, you know, what's out there as far as irrigation is concerned? And they had some input in that. I mean, there's, there's new technology that I wasn't doing, you know, the last two years of a 23, 24-year-old orchard with leaky drip hoses. But as we put in new irrigation, those are just trying to get get the questions answered you know if i don't put it in right away what needs to be put in what kind of infrastructure needs to be put in in order to accommodate you know something new so i don't have to run a new line later on in order to address that
0: well you you've got this advantage of of having seen you know the evolution of the dairy industry to kind of Sounds like keep in mind what, what might be possible. So I think that's really cool. And, and another big advantage for you is you seem to look at yourself as a student, as someone who's learning the almond industry. And I, I wonder, was that daunting for you to to think about all that you had to learn and, and what resources were kind of most helpful to get you to uh, the point you are at now with what you know?
1: I took advantage. You know, I went to the county center and talked to some of the extension people there. And they put on every year. I think they missed a year for the whole COVID thing. But um, fortunately, there was an almond conference through the extension agency, you know, the first fall that we were involved in it. And it was a, a three day conference. And I picked up a pile of information. It was kind of like drinking out of a fire hose. I learned a lot there and I've kept that notebook and I I refer to it, you know, regularly. Some of the things I don't have to deal with yet because I started from scratch. It was just getting the old stuff out, but it was trying to identify what are the issues, what happened in the, the old orchard, you know, and you get some of the diseases that are of concern and yeah the obvious thing as far as drainage and things like that but those are resources that I'll continue to have as I put the new trees in and how to deal with that so those are people that that you meet i found this is an industry that is is happy to share information there's things that you have to take and ask does that truly apply to me? Uh, you know, what I'm doing on the east side of the Central Valley is a lot different than what guys on the west side are doing or right down the center on the, the flat ground. But was it daunting? Uh, somewhat, but uh, it was an exciting challenge.
0: That conference that Cal was referring to is not to be confused with the Almond Conference, although we will talk about that one a little bit later. It's the UC Almond Short Course. And since Cal mentioned receiving a lot of help from Extension, not only at that program, but also elsewhere, I asked if there was anyone specifically that was particularly helpful to him.
1: Roger Duncan has been our local person, and I've gathered and gleaned lots of good information from him. There's a lot of people involved. There were various people that were giving talks during that almond seminar. I guess not to be confused with the almond conference, but he's a person that I that I value greatly. Michael Roots at the almond board is a new guy there that I think a lot of, and even my my field reps from Birchill Nursery, Manny Souza has has given me lots of information and i know people that own other nurseries that i that i talked to before i made the decision to go with shasta that sure they would all have loved to sell me their new latest and greatest tree or you know whatever i had chose but tim Roos you know owns owns a nursery and he's a guy i think the world of and had actually considered developing one of my own trees here that I'd found in the fence line that I was convinced was going to be the the next great tree. You know, in thinking like a dairyman, I'm thinking short-term and thinking, well, if that tree does well without any water, without any spray, and has these great nuts, uh, you know, why couldn't I have a whole bunch of those? Just make more of those for me. And having someone like Tim Roos explain the process and what goes into developing a new variety and the risk involved in that. he offered to to make another one for me He says I'll make you a dozen trees and you know we'll see what we can do. Well, lo and behold, that tree I had my eye on that I thought was going to be my retirement project because that was going to be the great one. the following year had zero nuts on it. absolutely nothing. <laughs> So it turned out to be a massive alternate bearing tree. Like, oh goodness, that's why people don't get all excited about trying to, you know, make this new stuff. And the investment is far too great in establishing an orchard to have something like that happen.
0: So. Absolutely. Well, this has been great, Cal. I really appreciate this. And I, I know you said in your email, you were concerned that you didn't have expertise to share, but these experiences are really valuable. Anything else, though, that we we didn't get to that I should have asked you about and didn't or something maybe we we touched on, but didn't quite go deep enough on that you'd like to share before I let you go?
1: When I came here from Michigan, There were things done in Michigan that I really scratched my head as far as the dairy industry was concerned as to why in the world they did it the way they do here in California. I asked a few questions, sometimes got polite answers, sometimes not so much. It was just, look, this isn't Michigan. And coming into almonds, yeah, I I would say there was assumptions that I made as far as you know that was going to be the easy thing. You know, if I had that to retire, boy, life was going to be slick. After getting into it, I'm realizing that maybe five acres would be a nice little retirement project. Forty five acres is it's not going to be something that I do all myself. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm pleased with you know the contacts that I've made, the people I've I've gotten to know, and I've not even found all the stuff that's out there yet. But the almond board, you know, is a is a great source of information. I met a new field guy that he actually managed some trees not far from me. So that that gave him a special value. And I just I appreciate the fact that there are people in this industry And in the allied industries, the the irrigation people, you know, your PCAs that are there to help you. So you need to take advantage of that and not just plow ahead thinking that that doesn't look hard. It doesn't have to be hard, but, you know, this is truly a long-term investment. At 63 years old, I'm not planning to replant this thing again. I want to see what I can do to make this orchard outlive me.
0: Well, thank you so very much to CalMast for sharing his experiences with us and his journey to finding out what would work best for designing his orchard. It'd be great to check back in with Cal in a few years and see how things are going. There's a lot to think about here, from soil to varieties to rootstocks to irrigation and beyond. Outlining these considerations and trying to point you towards orchard design resources is the focus of today's ABC update. Designing an orchard that reflects the latest in research and technology and also takes into consideration where the industry is headed in the coming decades is no easy task. The Almond Board of California Associate Director Sebastian Saw distills many of these important considerations down into a six-step approach.
2: Preparing to replace an old orchard is definitely a big decision. And I like to break that decision in what I call a step-wide decision process approach where perhaps the first thing to consider is implementing whole orchard recycling, uh, which is literally taking those existing trees, chipping them, and put them back to the soil. We have funded research in that area in collaboration with the University of California for multiple years. And growers can visit, or anybody interested can visit their website and find our latest results and recommendations in the orchard recycling project. So that's the first step, and then, after that, you would probably consider to uh, study the soil and re the different profiles of the soil and implement necessary soil amendments accordingly. I think this is a, a great opportunity to correct soil pH or apply some phosphorus for, if needed, for example, or reduce the infestation of some pathogens, etc., We also have an opportunity here to improve the soil structure and ultimately define zones or zoop zones that could be managed differently. So what you learn from your current orchard and how you can do it better uh, in the next generation, I think this is an opportunity to think and answer those questions.
0: So those are the first two of the considerations that Sebastian will share with us here today, whole orchard recycling and testing the soil to improve it accordingly. One of the questions I know that Cal ran into specifically about whole orchard recycling was if it would perpetuate diseases from the old orchard to the new one. So I imagine others have probably had similar questions, and I asked Sebastian if he could specifically address that concern.
2: Yeah, this is an area of research. However, we do have good reasons to believe that almond diseases will not really be transmitted to the next generation of that orchard. Because most of the diseases are actually only above ground, or they can only survive in living tissue. And once you ground it and incorporate that, it's no longer a living tissue. But there are a few, I would say, exceptions. And a couple of those exceptions are Armillaria, or known as the oak root fungus, Ganoderma, or Krangle. So, any of those three pathogens, if you have any of those, we will not be recommending to recycle your orchard. Again, those are the exceptions to the rule. If you'd like to learn more about whole
0: orchard recycling specifically, there's a fantastic website for the latest information on that at wholeorchardrecycling.ucdavis.edu. But now on to Sebastian's third step,
2: and it's a big one. The third step is plan for your irrigation and fertigation system. Think about the different irrigation systems that are around, the fertigation system that are around, and go for flexibility. This is probably one of the most important decisions that you will face in the next 20 years, and this is the time to take that decision. So I will advise to consult with multiple companies, compare quotes, and go for what works best for you today, but also what could give you the flexibility to do it better tomorrow.
0: One resource that Cal mentioned taking advantage of, specifically with water considerations, is in connecting with the Almond Board Field Outreach Team. Michael is his rep in his case, but if you don't already know who yours is, just send an email to field outreach at almondboard.com, and they'll be in touch. Okay, so after these first three considerations of whole orchard recycling, soil testing, and irrigation, there are three left. Rootstock selection, variety selection, and tree density.
2: Select the rootstocks. based it in your limitation of soil conditions, so you, what you have learned... If it was salts the limiting factor in your orchard, or if it was some diseases or some nutrient toxicities like boron or heavy soil structures, et cetera, choose a rootstock that can help you in the next generation to overcome those problems. We have invested for years in different rootstocks evaluation, and we we know that there are some rootstocks that are better than others for certain conditions. Then it's the time to select the varieties, the pollinizers, and that will depend accordingly to your production structure. So here growers are probably thinking like questions like, do I have the capabilities to rotate the equipment during harvest? Do I need to rotate my equipment during harvest? Or can I harvest everything at a given time? That will tell you a little bit of what varieties to plant. Then select the tree density based on All of what I have said before, that's a really hard decision. And the good news is that we have also funded years of research in collaboration with the University of California and USDA to understand how different tree densities can affect yield and overall profitability. Not a simple answer, but there is information that we have developed to help you uh, with this decision.
0: Thank you, Sebastian, and great places to go to access that information and those resources are, of course, almonds.com, the Training Tuesday webinars that the Almond Board of California is putting on, or the Almond Conference, which returns to Sacramento December 7th through 9th. It's going to be back in person at the newly renovated Safe Credit Union Convention Center. This year's theme, Rooted in Success, focuses on the foundation of our industry's growth, strategic market development, innovative research, and accelerated adoption of industry best practices. So go right now to almonds.com forward slash conference to register, book your hotels, and stay up to date on the latest Almond Conference information. You'll be able to see Sebastian there and so many of the other people you've heard here on this show. We believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of these industry leaders may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. That's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice, and please pass it along to others in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.